Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello and welcome back to ESSR Central here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I am your main host, Ross McLeod, and please welcome the assistant to the host, Scott McLeod. <laughs> Hello, thank you. I'm glad to be back for the first time, back, you know, second time in as many weeks, you know, as assistant host of Central. Assistant to the host of Central. Not <laughs> semantics at the end of the day. <laughs> well, if you'd like to listen to more shows of us bickering, more Centrals, more more news, previews, interviews and reviews, then you can look up Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And if you want to get involved in the conversation and discuss the wacky world of wrestling and everything that's happening in it, that's at Suplex Retweet on all our social media platforms, right? I was in two minds, ladies and gentlemen, about doing a central because I did one on Friday with a very good Mr. John Isherwood. We released that on the... No, sorry, we did it on the Wednesday, we released it on the Thursday. And I thought, before I go on holiday and before Central dips with someone else hosting it for a while, I thought we could do a wee Central on the Monday. And I thought, there's not going to be a lot to talk about. Oh boy, was I wrong. First off, uh, NXT UK is no more. NXT UK, after the World Collide event on Clash at the Castle weekend, will be transitioning into... NXT UK, this follows Vice President of Talent Development Creative Shawn Michaels that said following the success of the show's live events and talent identification efforts efforts throughout all of Europe, the company believes the time is right for them to be expanding beyond the UK. Scott, not not exactly a shock considering, you know, the past two champions, Ilya Dragunov and uh, the former Walter, now known as Gunther, um, people like A Kid winning the Heritage Cup. People like, I don't, well, I mean Ireland. Ireland's not in the UK, and we've had Jordan Devlin and Tucker and the likes, uh, Finn Balor, all wrestling in NXT UK uh, in recent years. So, uh, yeah, just a not not a case of NXT closing, but NXT evolving and going growing into the next step. Yeah, definitely, and the. Doubt NXT World Brexit does not happen, and you can still have UK wrestlers <laughs> wrestling as part of a European brand. 
yeah, it was interesting that they made this announcement, and it's kind of interesting because you know you got your core uh, ITUK guys, a whole lot of people who are mainly watched WWE daily, exposed to some newer people from different you know countries and different promotions from across Europe. I know, like for people who only have a little a small eye on the European scene, you only know countries like Germany that have a big wrestling scene. So there's a rich talent pool there, but maybe people from other countries who don't think of as big wrestling scenes popping up and becoming stars on that brand. And it also could be good crossover the main NXT brand because before NXT UK, you know, closed down, they were sending some of the newer 2.0 stars over to the UK. It's kind of a, a relaunch of the territory thing, like send them over there and get some more season and get more experience under their belt. I was talking about this with my friend the other day about, you know, all the good stuff that's happened since Triple H has taken over and I thought about this stuff with NXT and everything. And it feels like Triple H, the minute he got back in control, because all the stuff felt like it was being swept away and like all of Vince's vision for NXT over the last year, but now that Vince has gone, Triple H just came back into his first meeting as like Henry Crave sat down with a big file that says NXT expansion and I went, great, about this global NXT plan. <laughs> Look, Paul, we were discussing the live events. Yeah, about that. Here we go, NXT. But um, as you mentioned, a lot of 2.0 stars going over there. Uh, Shawn Michaels mentioned uh, the recruitment strategy uh, throughout Europe. Um, we may have new stars coming in and with every sort of Change we talk with NXT 2.0, a lot of stars going out. A lot of NXT UK wrestlers have now left the company. Uh, 21 releases exactly. I'm just going to run through them quickly. Uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, the former NXT UK tag champions. Uh, Wild Boar, also a former NXT UK tag champion. Uh, Amal, Zaya Brookside, Eddie Dennis, Saxon Huxley. Amir Jordan, Danny Luna, Dave Mastiff, the famous Frenchman, uh, Amelia McKenzie, Primate, Nina Samuels, Shah Samuels, the former GM Sid Scala, uh, former NXT UK and NXT Tag Team Champion Trent Seven, uh, Ashton Smith, Jack Styles, T-Bones, Tierman and Kenny Williams. Uh, it appears that... It, it, it looks like there's going to be a complete rebrand on both sides of NXT. It looks like those ready to take the step up from NXT UK to NXT are currently over there. We saw the likes of Gallus uh, and uh, Blair Davenport, Tyler Bate showing up there. Uh, it looks like those that aren't going to make the cut and aren't going to be featured in NXT Europe, they guys have sort of been put to the side uh, to make, make way for the new wave. And yeah, it just looks like these people hit their ceiling and that's that for NXT UK. Yeah, it's unfortunate for the people who were released, some of them who already have announced their first like, return date to the independent scene, like the Kelly's has already been announced for shows in Scotland, because I believe they're only, they've only got around about 30 or so day non-compete, given they were under an NXT brand. But WWE has said that they would be open to bringing some of these guys back once the Europe NXT launches. It was a case of between Worlds Collide and the launch of NXT Europe, there would be a long hiatus where they wouldn't be able to like do anything with them. So they felt like oh, it's, it's not right for us to keep them here, let them go. And if they want to come back when 
next to Europe launches they can. If not, then you know, best of luck to them. You know, I did see some people joking three weeks before a show in Wales, all of your Welsh talents have been let go. But to be honest with you, what who there's still going to be a large portion of people from Wales who probably don't watch Next UK, so probably say like, oh, someone from Wales. Don't know them, but all right, they're from here well, as well. <laughs> we saw that at the start of uh, before NXT UK and it was WWE UK, when you saw the WWE live events and they had the six-person tags featuring the UK superstars. Even though, like, it was Glasgow, Scotland, or Birmingham, England, or whatever the town was that person was from that was getting the pop, it wasn't them. There was still a big portion of the of the main roster uh, audience that really didn't know these people. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest one I think in that list is probably Trent Seven. I know you guys joked about, you know, Tyler Bate, his UK title hasn't aired yet. I believe it's Seven who he defeats in the final, you know, paying off the fact that Seven turned on him several tapings ago, however long ago they taped that. So it's weirdly found that most of his run has basically been, like, to help elevate Tyler, who WWE saw more potential I mean the younger competitor of the two feels almost fitting as seemingly for now final match and WWE was to to lose to Tyler and help Tyler re-establish himself as a singles champion becoming the first ever two-time NXT UK champion but for in the meantime the guys that are around it'll be nice to see those belts get defended on you know the main brand NXT for all the likes of Gallic uh, Tyler Bate you got Miko Satamora still on a contract. Ilya Dragunov's injured now, but I'm sure he'll be back and be featured on NXT Juvenile for a little bit. Uh, they also announced that Jenny and Charlie Dempsey, the, the son of William Regal, are both going to be moved over to NXT 2.0. All right. I, I, I said this um, before like, stuff started happening. When me and John spoke about this last Wednesday, I said the best thing to do would be not to merge the, not merging them into one brand, but having having both taped at the same time. Like, if they're doing it in the Capital Wrestling Centre, do NXT UK, two weeks of that and two weeks of NXT. If you're going to the UK, then tape NXT and NXT UK. NXT UK gains following in America for being in front of American crowds. NXT uh, has the sort of draw of the local wrestling as well when they go and tour in the UK with NXT UK, or NXT Europe, sorry, as it is now. But yeah, it just, it makes sense to put the two of them together, because if there's going to be crossover, then you don't want to be like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're six weeks ahead of us, so guys will be showing up on, you, you know, uh, when the Unspeaked Era were fighting uh, Imperium, guys were showing up on NXT UK, like the Unspeaked Era, but NXT was so far ahead that there was going to be no retaliation before the likes of World Collide happened. Yeah. I'm wondering about A-Kids. We mentioned him a few times. He's now wrestling, for whatever reason, under a mask as Axion or whatever he's called now. Uh, NXT too. But I'm wondering when, around the time of NXT Europe, will he decide, like, no, let's sack this. Let's let him be A-Kid again. Because I think he could be one of your main stars if you're doing, like, a European-focused kind of brand. He's one of the few actual Spanish foreign like wrestlers, wrestlers from Spain that the visa are actually signed. Well, the NXT Europe um, being a brand also brings the question 
will the WWE, sorry, the NXT UK Championship be the mid-card title? And will that lead to the NXT European title? Will that be the main title? Will they bring back the classic European title to maybe be the mid-card title? What do you think is going to happen here? It'd be weird because it'd be weird to have the main title of a, a brand that's called NXT Europe be the UK Championship, whereas the European Championship is like the mid-card belt events and how they do it. I think keep the NXT, keep the UK belt around, but maybe, like you said, move that to a have a mid-card belt, make that like their version of the North American belt and NXT 2.0. And yeah, bring back a version of the European title. I know many of us would like to see the original European title brought back, but I don't think it's a case of you should get your hopes up. Whereas I think the other belts will be rebranded, like the Titan ones will be rebranded. Like they'll keep the same champions, but like rebrand them, which just like includes the words NXT European, NXT Europe, Titan and Women's Champions. But I think they'll keep the the the. I think they'll keep the UK belt as a mid-card belt. That's, that's fair enough. And we obviously, we mentioned Worlds Collide. Uh, it looks like we're going to have Tyler Bate and Braun Breaker going up against each other. Uh, Brooks and Jensen currently hold the NXT UK titles. I can't really see them going up against against um, Diamond Mine, who currently hold the title, I think. You know, like last time we had the... Um, the Cruiserweight title on the line in a sort of cross-brand uh, match. I think you're going to see Gallus going up against uh, the Diamond Mine and maybe a six-person non-title match. And I think Brooks and Jensen represent the NXT 2.0, but holding the NXT UK titles, going up against a team from uh, NXT Europe. I think I think, uh, I think we have announced that at some point this week I think it's this week on NXT two but no it's Briggs and Jensen versus Gallus for the belt. So I'm assuming it's a case of like, right lads, you know, I think we had a plan for you as the US guys to win these belts, but now we'd like to now we need them back on a, a team that's actually from the UK, so we'll give the belt <laughs> back to these guys. It'll be it's Wolfie and, and Mark, who were the tie chance before when Gallus held the belts, uh, that will be challenging them. I'm assuming they'll be bringing Joe in as a as a singles guy like they used to be. Which is which is interesting because Joe only just recently returned to NXT UK after a long break, and Mark Coffey last I seen from NXT UK was the Heritage Cup champion. I'm assuming that will be put to the wayside. Yeah, make that a yearly thing. Maybe like the Heritage Cup is the you know the NXT UK title, uh, the NXT UK tournament from now on. It's 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 weird. There's going to be a lot of changes. All we can do is speculate at this point. But yeah, it looks like going forward, we will have a change, uh, obviously, with NXT Europe and NXT 2.0. Um, let's talk about Survivor Series coming up, because Survivor Series a few years ago did feature the likes of NXT, um, but it doesn't look like it's going to feature this year. I think a lot of people thought with Triple H returning that NXT would return to to Survivor Series weekend. However, Graphic recently went out promoting the event in a few months' time, and it only has blue and red on the poster. There was no yellow to be seen. There was no mention of NXT. It just says Raw and SmackDown present Survivor Series. However, there is rumours 
of a War Games match being brought to Survivor Series. Starcade WCW end of year show, Survivor Series, WWE's Thanksgiving tradition, merging together for the War Games match. Scott, how much would you love to see a Raw and SmackDown War Games match? Oh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> just bring up, just bring big Charlie Dempsey up on the, onto the main roster one week, like, and uh, please welcome the man who's the son of a, a guy we're like, oh, not, won't tell you his actual name, uh, and just have him shout the word war games and then just bugger off back to NXT. But yeah, <laughs> I think it's a case of, you know, Triple H, he compromised for years when he asked, when he begged Vince in 2002, and Vince gave him the, uh, Gave him the elimination chamber. Now Vince is out the door. Triple H like, right, war games on the main roster, which I've been thinking they should have done ages ago because the concept of the brand view brand thing and the the different teams, especially because the last few years, like the title v title matches are one thing because you know they, they still make for good matches, even though usually it doesn't matter which champion like gets the win. But the five on five matches seem to be even more pointless because they're not fighting for anything. Whereas doing the five on five matches and putting them inside the war games environment, I think, you know, one for the men's, one for the women's helped add some stakes to the match and that they should have done it, you know, a long time ago. I'm not too upset about NXT not being featured because, you know, it was fun in 2019, but I don't think the NXT roster right now, even though, you know, it's better than when NXT 2.0 first launched, it's still nowhere near as strong as it was back in 2019. So, they're nowhere near the threat. I don't think that they used to be. Give it a couple of years, maybe they will feature them again. But I'm fine with it being Ron SmackDown. But I want to know how they they handle this because I know we talked a few weeks ago. There was the rumors of Cross or Drew taking one of the belts off of Roman to separate the belts again because you know USA wants a belt and Fox want to have a belt. Uh, so you got to think that means that both the tag and world belts would have to be re-separated. By the virus use comes around because that's what the whole thing's built around. Like I said, the champion v champion thing. We, um, we saw Survivor Series um, 2017. Uh, the lead up to that, a lot of titles changing hands. You know, Charlotte won the women's title. AJ won the WWE title. Uh, who was it? Was it AO? No, uh, the Bar that took the oh. took the tag titles from the Shield. And the lead up to that coffee, uh, the lead up to that New Day versus Shield match. So mm. I think you you maybe see it on TV, maybe because Survivor Series that year and Survivor Series uh, twenty nineteen, it was very much can't miss TV. It was it was sensational stuff. You didn't know who was going to show up. You didn't know what title matches were happening. There was open challenges every other week. Um, so it was really. It'll be really cool to see if titles change hands in the lead up to Survivor Series with uh-huh. the likes of the likes of, you know, Drew maybe loses one of these belts or the Usos lose one of their belts or you know, God knows what's going to happen. Maybe they'll just do what they always do with these things because for a while it was just a case of right swap titles. Maybe they'll just go, look, you need to drop one of the titles because you need to focus on one of the brands. And hey, you know what? I'm absolutely for that. Look, because you don't look any weaker. And when whoever gets moved over, whenever whoever drops the title, say it's Drew dropping, say, the Universal title, and he stays on Raw as the WWE champion, if he gets moved back to SmackDown, he's got a legitimate claim to be the number one contender. You know what I mean? So 
It'll all work out in the end, I think. But yeah, I think Survivor Series this year, it's going to be certainly going to be something that you can't miss. The TV will be something special. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty, you know, can't miss so far the last few weeks under Triple H. People have been talking about how different the, the weekly TV feels. And so that's why I'm kind of, not say optimistic, but I'm slightly more intrigued than I have in a few years about this you know, rumoured draft before Survivor Series because, you know, it's now under Triple H. Triple H is, was around for the original, you know, brand split back in 2002. So I'm curious to see how he decides to, you know, handle the whole brand v brand thing. But yeah, I, I, you had to think that the belts would have to be separated before then. And God knows, I know you've got like Drew and Cross and everything for, for Roman, but right now I'm racking my brains to think who does he get to take one of those sets of titles from the Usos because we're only like, a couple of weeks away from Clash at the Castle and there's no indication of any challengers for them. You know, we had the Street Profits, but like we said a few weeks ago, they've lost twice, so they've not really got much of a claim. The New Day have just been battered by the Viking Raiders on a weekly basis, so they're not exactly looking like contenders. Usos couldn't even appear on SmackDown this week because of, I think it was Jimmy, his, his issues with the law couldn't get many of the Usos couldn't appear on SmackDown this week because they were in Canada. Yeah, um, and that'll certainly be a concern going forward if they have both belts. I think um, going back to 2000, do you remember when uh, so Stephanie was the, w, the WWF Women's Champion? She never defended the belt. As soon as Mick Foley became commissioner, he made her defend it mm-hmm. and uh, made The Rock the special guest ref just so she couldn't try her shenanigans. So, And she ended up losing the belt quite handily to Lita. So I think you'll maybe see something like that with Usos. Like, oh, you want to interfere in the Romans matches? Well, tonight's a lumberjack match and just all the lumberjacks just beat the shit out of them. And yeah. who, think- who, knows, who knows who you could have beat them. I mean, you've had Hit Row come up. Could be the sort of thing to kickstart them, you know, after Worlds Collide with people from NXT, the former NXT UK going to NXT 2.0. You could have people from NXT make the jump to WWE. Could be, could be. Uh, I'm wondering if they do bring back the War Games relation for Survivor I think it'll make it more you know, worth watching. What do you think they'll actually do if they do choose to actually put any stakes behind it? Because I imagine. You know, part of me would like to see the champions of the respective brands kind of leading their teams, but I think if you're they've announced they're doing day one again, so I think it would be cool to do like teams of five, and like say Team Raw wins and the Raw's got the WWE title again, and the five members from Team Raw will then go into a five-way match at day one. The winner fights the champion at the Royal Rumble. That, that could be could be interesting. It could be that maybe. Drew drops one of the titles and maybe does a cross-brand title defence. Maybe he does, you know, oh, I'm represent. I'm choosing to represent SmackDown, so I'll defend my title against a Raw guy. And that's your Raw and SmackDown match for that. And maybe it's like, right, listen, the winners of War Games go into a, a Fatal 5-way or a Fatal 4-way or whatever it is at day one, and then they fight for the vacated title. You know, maybe... 
maybe that's what happens. Maybe NXT is involved and we're just overthinking it because it is just an early tickets on sale now sort of poster. But yeah, that, that's what this show is about. It's us putting predictions out there, us fantasy booking, and then us making no acknowledgement when we're absolutely wrong. Yeah. I just, um, I'm, I know I keep going on, I don't like how you can say it is because I genuinely can't see a you know, strategy going in the way that WWE insists on doing and making it all about brand warfare with, you know, unified worlds and and tag team champions, but I heard another argument recently about why this belt should pretty much be unified, uh, ununified very soon because you know there's the, the talk that obviously WrestleMania and Hollywood they want Rock versus Roman, and the idea is like if they don't separate the belts, then that basically means Rock has to win the Royal Rumble in order to justify that match. And I don't, people were annoyed about Brock Lesnar winning this year's Rumble. I'm sure there will be a section out there who would. Uh, not be so optimistic about the Rock just randomly coming and said, "Oh yeah, I'm winning the Royal Rumble this year." You end up being among them, though. Yeah, I was about to say myself and Alan Lucas would not be amongst those people. We would be firmly for Rock winning the Rumble, rightfully so. <laughs> but um, no, no, I absolutely get what you mean. Um, but from must-watch TV and must-watch pay-per-views to must-see live events. Uh, WWE this past weekend had Trish Stratus on their live events, maybe bringing back the the days where legends used to pop up as guest enforcers and guest referees, maybe sell some extra tickets. But someone you won't be seeing showing up at the live events in WWE is Jeff Jarrett. He was in charge of the live event scene. His exact title was Senior Vice President of Live Events apparently he's no longer in the position uh, it looks like Triple H but, uh, very much back in WWE and very much uh, trying to put his own people in these positions I'm surprised we didn't have Triple H popping up on Raw this week guys once again Jeff you're double G double O double N double E gone like instead back in 2001 but or, or maybe Triple H being a massive Ric Flair mark still thinks it's real and saw what Ric Flair, what will happen to Ric Flair during that tag match of Ric Flair's last match and just one Jeff like, how could you do that to Ric? You're, you're done, mate. You're done. Maybe. Rumours rumor run wild but yeah, it seems that Triple H is very much filling the... We talked about uh, Stephanie being the, the chairwoman and co-CEO uh, along with um, along with Nick Khan. It looks like those guys are very much stuck to the business side of it, and everything wrestling-wise has been very much a Triple H call. I think that's uh, fair enough, because I think it's the idea of sticking to your... It's really like they know more about actual like day-to-day corporate business kind of stuff, and Triple H is a wrestler, so he, and he's said to running NXT, so the case of, you know, he runs the wrestling side, because, you know, I'm sure he, he may have watched wrestling growing up, but I don't know if Nick can really, if you asked him to be in a wrestling, you know, centric role in WWE, he would really know much about what he was meant to do, you know, because his background is in is in business. So I think he's a collaborating, everybody's sticking to their own thing and nobody's getting involved and nobody's you know, stepping over in, into somebody else's business. And I think it seems like, you know, more of a collaborative effort rather than just Vince overseeing everything. And so, so that he forgets what he was doing the previous week. Like, we'll do this thing. We already did that. We'll do it again. 
Yeah, and and I think that's where WWE is going to go from strength to strength. It's as you said, it's a collaborative effort. It's people sticking to their strengths, and it's not one guy who's increasingly out of touch. You know, not his fault. It happens when people get older. Um, but yeah, increasingly out of touch and increasingly running himself into the ground. You know, surrounding himself with glad handing, handing yes men, as CM Punk said, more on him later on, um, just to get the job done. You know, I think it's good that we're in this stage, but I feel sorry for Jeff because I like Jeff Jarrett. But hey, bound for glory coming up, Jeff Jarrett gone from that position. Maybe we'll hear. What a fire truck's gonna pull up. <laughs> Fuck off. I did go to I did go to do it really high pitch and my voice just kinda of went at the start of it. I could, that was Jeff Jarrett's TNA theme people. <laughs> I mean, I'm wondering, you know, he's been heavily involved, I think, in helping Conrad Thompson. I think he was a big part of putting on Rick Flair's last match. Did this free him up to maybe Nick Starkas, Jeff Jarrett's last match. Teaming with Vince Russo because that's what the people want. No, the rematch of the decade. Jeff Jarrett, David Arquette. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to be. Sorry, on you go. I'm saying, book it, Conrad. Go on, you've clearly got no morals. You put your 70 plus year old father in law in a ring. Well, the, the G1 climax um, over in New Japan has just finished. Um, if you want to listen to an in-depth analysis of that, then it'll be East meets West in a few weeks' time where they all break down the entire G1. But, Scott, this is your area of expertise, so as assistant to the co-host, I will allow you to ramble on about the Japanese side of wrestling. All right, quick summation of it. Uh, it was a four-block format this year for saying they've done it since 2000, where they had four blocks, the two winners of each winners of A block and D and B block for each other, winners of C and D block for each other, and then there was a big G1 Climax final. Uh, Kuzuchiko Okada won the A block, Tamatonga won the B block, upsetting Jay White on the final night. Well lost to Tetsuya Naito with a surprise well for ZSJ, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, won the C block, and Will Ospreay due to tiebreakers over Shingo Takagi managed to win the D block. Austria then went on to beat Naito and Okada defeated Tamatonga. So that led to the big uh, G1 Climax final where Okada came on top of the G1 Climax, making that his overall fourth win in the G1 tournament. And he joins like the Masahiro Chono and Kotobushi, an elite group of people, to win the, the G1 Climax in back to back years. Which means he will then go on to Wrestle Kingdom 17 next year, which it's also been announced it's going back to one night, not two, and he will face IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Jay White. So there's a lot more about the tournament and everything. They went on the frankly bonkers way that they confused everybody about how the way the blocks were set. Uh, Okada being a dick about not wanting to you know, defend his title shot against people he lost to during the tournament, saying, oh, that devalues the, the G1 win. Like a fucking prick. So me and Graham McRobbie will be giving out to people like Okada and discussing all the bonkers shit that happened during the G1 on upcoming episode of East Meets West, which has been recorded in a few days' time. 
Well, thank you for that. I know absolutely not. No, I, I do know some of those people. Um, but I, I only know that Okada won it, and I know he's won it about four times. And yeah, The John Cena of Japan. Um, this is his fourth time. Also, it was the this is the eighth time he and Osprey, when they've met in the finals, the eighth time they've met in a one-on-one singles contest, and the record is now 7-1 in Okada's favour. Well, Osprey will always have that one, and no one can take it from him. Um, Wait, you mentioned um, you mentioned um, Wrestle Kingdom going back to one night. Is there any reason given for that, or is it just a case of COVID's over? We can get a full Tokyo Dome. Well, no, I think they they did two night Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago when they were doing the whole unification of the two main singles belts, and then the guy kept it going. I think COVID played a part in them continuing to do it. Then they did a third night this year because of their 50th year and they wanted to do a like, co-promoted show with Pro Wrestling No on the third night. So I'm guessing they just want to go back to, you know, how Wrestling used to be where basically it means that, you know, there's no filler on either show. So everybody, every match matters on a Wrestle Kingdom card and they've announced that New Year's Dash, which is the, basically their equivalent of the Raw after Mania will be returning on the 5th of January, the night after. So no real reason has been really given to it. But they have also announced that their UK show that they were planning, uh, Royal Quest, is going to happen over two nights on the 1st and 2nd of October. And Grant McRobbie is raging because he's in London that week, but he's already got other stuff booked. Well, my heart bleeds purple pish for him. Anyway, moving on, uh, moving on uh, to, from New Japan to AEW. Um, CM Punk versus John Moxley, not at all out. Mm. It will be CM Punk versus John Moxley on what looks like the go home show uh, before all out title versus title. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about with Punk, his comments on Hangman, the poor morale backstage, etc. But what what is Tony Khan thinking? putting this match on TV and not main eventing a pay-per-view with it. I think uh, it's interesting because all this happened this week on, on Dynamite, the match, and it was built last week because you know, Moxley and, and Punk had exchange of words. They then brought in Moxley like, I'm sick of being called an champion. I don't want to wait anymore. I want to do it next week. Which is fair enough because we see the stuff he's been doing as champion then having to call him interim. It is kind of, kind of like disrespectful to Moxley. And it's said by Meltzer that he, like, he's not heard anything about an alternative. So like this is both penciled in as a match on Dynamite this week and also the main event of All Out. So is there a chance it ends in a screwy finish and then leads to another match where you definitively get an undisputed champion at All Out? Who knows? Like people, word is that uh, Tony Khan's original plan for All Out before Punk's injury was a rematch with Hangman. So maybe they'll use these comments that Punk made facility Punk beating uh, John Moxley and then Hangman coming out and setting up a rematch at All Out. I really don't know. It feels like a lot of what Tony Khan had planned for Punk's, you know, AW title reign went out the window the minute Punk got injured and everything since has been a, basically a, an attempt to, to try and keep up with everything that happens. I know, it's, it's absolutely it's amazing that um 
that they kept the title on Punk. I think it should just have been a case of, look, shit happens, you're injured. They could always just have him win the title straight back, you know what I mean? And we could have done away with this interim shit. But, um, yeah, we mentioned um, Hangman Adam Page, the comments CM Punk made. Um, there was a chant of cowboy shit in support of Hangman Page. But CM Punk called him a coward shit, um, asked for an apology and says the apology has to be as public as the disrespect. It just looks like CM Punk's ego, you know, rearing its ugly head again. And it's, it's ironic that CM Punk's so upset about comments Hangman Adam Page made. Apparently, it's stuff that was. We don't have an exact quote of what he's upset at. It's just apparently the build up he wasn't happy with. Um, he challenged uh, Hangman Adam Page to a match in Hangman Adam Page's hometown. Adam Page was never supposed to be part of the segment. People have said Hangman was in a lose lose spot. He couldn't come out to the ring because he wasn't part of the segment. You couldn't exactly rush past Tony Khan and Gorilla and go, yeah, let's do this. But by staying backstage, he's like, Punk's like, yeah, you're a coward, you're a coward. And it's just, it it seemed really unprofessional on Punk's behalf. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I remember hearing about it before actually watching the segment and then you see it and you're like, Jesus Christ, because he does basically full on challenges him, sits down in the ring, waits for him, everybody's waiting and once they quickly realise that Hangman isn't coming out, they all start booing. And, like, he's basically, you know, making who was their number one face, almost or maybe second, if you, if you think, think Moxley's the number one face, look like he's at a coward because he didn't come out for a, a fight that he didn't know about. Like, Hangman was in the building, but it wasn't exactly in Gorilla. He was somewhere else in the, in the arena because he had other stuff he was doing on the show. So... Hangman, unbeknownst to him, is getting called out and being called a coward and doesn't even know about it. And a lot of people, you know, he's not seen as a confrontational person, so a lot of people knew he probably wouldn't do much, you know, about it. But everybody's seemingly on There are a lot of people who are on his side in the AEW locker room, if you believe the, the reports. And, you know, people have been sharing clips of stuff that Hangman said and probably not to double nothing, trying, to, trying their best to pinpoint what it might have been that that annoyed Punk so much, but I'm, every clip I've watched, I'm like, this this seems pretty tame com- in comparison to what other people have said about Punk. I mean, this isn't, none of the stuff that Hangman says is the worst thing that's been said about Punk in a promo this year, considering this man was in a, a feud for much of early 2022 with MJF, who's known for potentially crossing the line and annoying people with his promos, but the one line that people keep referring to is one that says, you can't, Colin Punk a hypocrite for claiming to care about workers' rights or whatever and claiming that he doesn't. And so supposedly in a promo, even though I can't find the line where he does reference it, he there was references to the Punk Coke Cabana like lawsuit and everything. Where a lot of people did side with Coke Cabana when everything came out about that. And you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, the more punks you featured on TV, the less we've seen of Coke Cabana. Well, yeah, this is this is something I was going to go into about Tony Khan, and um, I'm just going to read something here. This was from a, a page called All Elite Wrestling News. It posted an article 
that Dave Meltzer put up. It said, with the news that CM Punk and Hangman Page reportedly are backstage heat in AEW, it turns out it could just be the tip of the iceberg. A report from Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter suggests that there's a currently tons of backstage drama in AEW, allegedly involving many of the top guys. Emotions are so high that Meltzer states that it feels like a number of people are close to their breaking point if things don't get settled. It's believed the catalyst for all this recent problems is Colt Cabana, with Cabana believed to have been heading for an AEW exit before numerous members of the locker room spoke up for him, leading to Tony Khan signing him up for Ring of Honor. Cabana and Punk's complicated past is no secret, and with Cabana and Hangman having been stable mates in the Dark Order, it's easy to see how things could have snowballed. Uh, reports earlier surfaced suggesting that AEW locker room was split following Punk's Punk going off script to bash Hangman on August 17th. Uh, Meltzer suggested Tony Khan simply needs to sit down and air everything out before it gets worse. It's as if the roles in the locker room have reversed, with things looking to get a lot better in WWE, but in AEW since the arrival of many ex-stars, uh, they've brought with them egos and more backstage politics, which has changed the once big family feel to a packed mentality, the locker room in AEW reportedly being toxic and divided. Um, yeah, so see Tony Khan... Uh, he he had plenty of comments to make about Vince McMahon releasing people, uh, WWE not caring about the talent, WWE, you know, just just using wrestlers to their limit and then just letting them go. Tony Khan wouldn't release anyone because he was too cowardly to do so and didn't want any of the bad bad publicity. So he basically left these guys to rot. These guys could have been out there making money. These guys could have got the release for quick enough to criticise WWE when they don't give superstars a release. It should be the exact same in AEW. Cole Cabana was one of the, one of the guys on the original shows when AEW were doing monthly shows. He'd done, he done a couple of the Battle Royals. He then signed with the company. He was part of Dark Order, one of their most popular stables. He brought, uh, he brought a big fan base over with him. He was, you know, back in the days before indie wrestling blew up, you could say... Colt Cabana was the most popular indie wrestler there was. And as soon as he gets a chance to sign up CM Punk, Colt Cabana is thrown to the wheel so as not to upset CM Punk. It's only when the locker room speaks up that he goes, all right, we'll just move him to Ring of Honor. And we've seen this as well. And I mentioned this last week, that we've seen it with Big Soul, we've seen it with uh, Jonathan Gresham, that every time someone leaves AEW, Every time someone leaves of their own accord, it's not just a case of it didn't work out. They're bashed and buried on the way out, and it's made that they're the problem, not the atmosphere in AEW. And again, going back to stuff we've mentioned week after week after week on Central, the continuing signing of guys and Impact's released a guy, sign him. New Japan's released a guy, sign him. WWE have released a guy, sign him. This has just led to there being too many top guys, too many guys not getting the push they feel they deserve. You then make a second show rampage and then don't feature any of your guys on it. You start bringing Ring of Honor guys in, you start bringing Impact guys in, you start bringing New Japan guys in. And then you wonder why all of a sudden the guy who was toxic 10 years ago coming in, you're not using your homegrown stars, releasing people who were there to help build your company and then not featuring any of the talent of of the talent of AEW on these on your main shows. 
featuring everyone else's talent and then wondering, gee, why, why is my locker room suddenly quite unhappy? Oh, well, it's a mystery to me, Tony, but I think there's a big pile of evidence there. If you want to go check it out, it might fucking tell you why. Uh, oh, it's it just it does seem like a mess. And like Tony, like you talked about how he might not be confrontational. I think Tony has tried to not be so confrontational with people. I think it's like he said, it's a case he needs to sit people down and like air their grievances. Otherwise, things aren't going to progress. You know, I know Punk's such a fan of of Bret Hart, but we don't want a a Brett, you know, Sean situation with him and Moxley or him and Hangman where they're they're not willing to work together because they just can't like get along and they just there's such heat between the two of them backstage. And the stuff with Colt Cabana, I mean the last thing I've known he did under an AW banner was when that Brian, when Brian Danielson was going through Dark Order members in the way to challenge Hangman and basically he just got battered in his hometown by by Brian Danielson. I think he legit got a teeth knocked it by a straight kick from from Brian Dyson. That's the last major thing he did in in AEW. And fair enough, he's got the history with Ring of Honor. Like, oh, we'll send him there. But like, you clearly, Tony, like you, I know you're a big fan of Ring of Honor, and that's why you bought it to you know help them out when they were struggling financially and everything. But you clearly don't have the time, amongst everything else you're doing, to run Ring of Honor. Like you've done two shows, and and since you've bought it, so. Clearly, you need somebody else in if you want to make it a more weekly show. You bring somebody else in who can oversee Ring of Honor. Because, like, saying that, oh, we're sending this guy Ring of Honor for now, when you're only running shows every so often, basically means we're paying this guy to do nothing. And until, um, until like, every maybe three months or so, he might wrestle on a major Ring of Honor show. He might get time on one of those shows, along with everybody else who kept under contract from Ring of Honor. And... It, it, it does seem like a mess, and like you said, like a lot of talent is suffering because like they get brought in, they get a bit of a push, but then other people get brought in. And then another prime example of people who have kind of gotten lost in the shovel in AEW is Lance Archer. He got brought into the G1 this year. He was in the A Block, right? And there was a, a the summer show domain where they announced all the participants. Like, New Japan crowds aren't meant to make noise right now. They're going to be allowed to be vocal on the upcoming tour in September, but then for at this point, they weren't allowed to be vocal. And then Lance Archer's name came up, and there was a big loud, oh, from the Japan crowd, because they remember Lance Archer and New Japan and how much of a, a monster he was. And then he came back over and surprised a lot of people and reminded a lot of people how good he can actually be. He came within one match of winning the A block, only to lose out in Okada in the main event of the final block night. And But up until that point, believably, made people think he could advance and go to the semi-finals of the G1 in Japan like you know sometimes you do need to let people go and like I know you may not like it but like, it doesn't mean they can't ever come back like listen we don't have anything for you right now but you clearly you know need to feed your family or you need if you want to wrestle we'll let you go go wrestle somewhere else and if you, you know the lines of communication will always be open if you want to come back but like you said the way they've went about it like not communicating with people like Buddy Joey Janela in the past and everything, and quietly, let, quietly letting go people like Alan Angels go, who've actually done really well for himself. He popped up an impact in other places, but you know, and I, and I remember you and John Ashley talked about the stuff you said about where all of a sudden it's their fault when somebody leaves like a big swallower, Jonathan Gresham. But you know, you can, like you said, that's not really good business to do that when somebody gets let go because 
you know, there was all the stuff about Bray Wyatt and Keith Lee being quote unquote difficult to work with, but it came out that really their biggest crime was disagreeing with the shit they were being given asked, why am I doing this and daring to ask questions. And so, you know, you can't condemn WWE for trying to pin the blame on WWE talent that tried to argue back with them and they let go and they try to brand as difficult, but also stick up for Tony Khan against quote unquote difficult talent because when you look at it, much as Tony Khan doesn't like to think it, with some of the tactics he's done regarding releasing people, aren't that far from tactics that WWE has done. And I know you don't, I know they're not pleasant, but unfortunately, this is what business people do sometimes. Well, Sorry. no, absolutely. And, you know, WWE used to have their yearly sort of spring cleaning sort of thing. And you see football, you know, John and I made a lot of football team analogies last week. Football teams at the end of the season tend to announce, you know, by the way, thank you for, thank you Player X for two great seasons, but um, at the end of their contract, they're going to leave the club. Uh, They leave with everyone's best wishes. You know, they don't, they don't keep them and not play them. You know what I mean? Well, Chelsea do, but you know, um, like, you know, teams need to let players go. Players, not everyone can be in the start and a live in, in a football team. And in wrestling, not everyone can be top of the fucking card. And unfortunately, Tony doesn't seem to recognize. And you mentioned the Ring of Honor thing, and we've mentioned the Japan partnership and the Impact partnership. It's it's ironic that as Tony Khan's taking on too much, his show's suffering. Whereas when WWE's went to a compartmentalized, right, Triple H does the wrestling. Sean Michaels is in char- charge of NXT now. Stephanie and to- uh, Tony, uh, no Tony Khan, Nick Khan will take charge of the the business side of things. It's amazing how WWE has progressed, and AEW's went backwards. It's you know, you know, making mistakes that WCW made, maybe getting a bit too big too early, and then trying to you know run two promotions at the once. Maybe Tony Khan meets needs a, a right-hand man. Yeah, because uh, like, like John was raising a point about you know, last week, we were just shy of two weeks away from all out. We know, and all we know, I think they announced the, the casino ladder match coming back for that show. So we have that, the uh, final to the trios tournament, and I think, also you'd assume the world title we defended, we thought it was going to be pumped mostly, but then that's at the window. So we know two matches for, you know, like you said, possibly the second biggest baby people keep arguing between Double or Nothing or All Out, which is a bigger one, but it's basically one of your biggest shows of the year and we barely know the card for it. And again, that's that shows that that's a real does seem like a real lack of planning in some cases, you know, where they don't know what exactly they're doing with a lot of people. And I look at the AEW right now, I don't know what they are gonna do with all of the the people come all out. Uh, I don't know. There's just seems like a real lack of direction towards the booking of, of all out because it feels like Punk, they were held holding out all their hopes on Punk coming back and Punk finally could come back. And then all of a sudden, the planned, what's, what we all thought was the planned all out main event is happening this week. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm just looking at the card. Um, there's four matches. Two matches, we don't know the participants. Uh, the tournament final for the trios title, I imagine the Elite will take on House of Black. That's my my predictions. 
uh, casino ladder match participants to be determined. Uh, Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm, which seems like it's been going on for ages. Um, the women's division suffering once again in AEW. And then the pinnacle, Wardlow and FTR taking on the Lethal Connection, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt in a six-man tag match. So there is... Jesus. Oh, no, let, let, me, let me interrupt you there, but like, fuck me. Like, what the fuck is happening here with that match? A rampage main event and not a good one. Like, <laughs> I like Jane in TNA and I like Jane Ring of Honor, but you've been shit since you came in. AW and the stuff with Sanjay and Sanam Singh hasn't helped your stock at all. Like, why is FTR not focusing on like we've got all these belts, but the belts we really want is the AW tag belts because no offense to Swerve in our glory, we should really be called Strict Lee Business. Uh, <laughs> like you were kind of throwing together, but like the team everybody really wants with those belts is FTR and Wardlow. Well, the team TTL should actually be defended on pay per view. Because it's not been defended in the last three or so pay-per-views, I don't think the TNT title. So I don't know what's happened with that. Like even when they announced when they announced that triple threat match that Lee and Swerve won to win the tag titles, the whole time the Bucks were about to announce it, all the crowd could do was chant FTR. There you are. So and there is obviously the issues there that the the rumors that AA, FTR refused to um Sorry, uh, the Young Bucks refused to put FTR over. I really don't know what's happening with that. I I bet you the dynamite that we, the go-home dynamite is going to be like, okay, that bit where Excalibur does the whole, like, and there's all this, 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 this happening, this happening. He's going to, in that rapid fire, announce four matches for all out and then announce a further fucking three for the buy-in on the following rampage because <laughs> some of these ex- lower card matches they leave up to Excalibur because he can just rapid or throw a lot of information about what's coming up. He's got that auctioneer voice sometimes. <laughs> it's um, it's amazing actually all out um, last year was the last time the TNT title was defended on a pay-per-view. Um, it's 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 heading for a streak like the IC title. Um, before we move on to before we move on, sorry, you go. I, I think you know the I've heard one or two people say this, and I firmly agree. Miro losing that title is when it started going downhill because he tried to defend a lot, but as soon as he got the whole switching it with Cody, and then after the ladder match, switching it with Scorpio, and then him being a heel because. Do you know I have a girlfriend? What a concept. And then then Wardlow won it before Sky could get a proper reign with it. You know. Yeah. I don't know what's happening with that fucking belt. Um we talked about the Anaconda title. A match recently added to Clash at the Castle. Uh, Gunther versus Seamus. Seamus Never won the Intercontinental title. This will be the first time the Intercontinental title was defended on pay-per-view since WrestleMania 37, night two. So, a long-awaited return to pay-per-view for the Intercontinental title and Gunther versus Sheamus, two big meaty men slapping meat. (laughs) Yes, yes. And 
I remember when that, that lineup for the five way was announced, and more contenders might have to be going to I'm like, it's got to be Seamus, it has to be. And yeah, like Seamus even got a promo on talking smack about, you know, this is the one title that's eluded me. I've tried everything to put that title in my path, and now, now it's in my path. And, you know, I'm basically says to Gunther, I'm coming to batter you. And I like when Seamus gets in that proper slugfest with people because of how white he is, and when he gets a proper beating on his chest, his chest goes a real shade of pink that really seems a lot more luminous because he's so pale. Fucking, I'm wondering what shades of fucking pink or purple his chest going to look like after a, a run-in with Gunther. Well, we won't have long to find out. Um, also this past week in SmackDown, uh, a quick change to the women's tag title tournament. It looked like it was going to be Zoe Starks and Nikita Lyons. Turns out Zoe Starks is carrying an injury. Nikita Lyons is unvaccinated, so she wasn't allowed into Canada. Uh, step up the former two-time NXT Women's Champions, Toxic Attraction, JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. Uh, they defeated uh, Sonia Deville and Natalia. Scott, I thought, me and John spoke about how uh, Lyons and Stark, it was just a showcase for them. But I really think Toxic Attraction can go the whole way here. Yeah, I wonder if that was the case, like, if, if Stark and Lyons would have won, or if this is because Toxic Attraction were involved. But you know, good for them. They're, I don't think they're going to win the tournament in the end. But I think it's just a showcase for them so that people can maybe get a chance to get to know them if they don't watch NXT. And then when they're inevitably moved up to the main roster alongside Mandy Rose, once our Triple H S Reign of Terror finally ends, with the, the women's title in NXT, then you know, then they can all move up as a trio because I think I'd like to see, you know, make a good version of when they had Absolution and Riot Squad on different brands where you have like Toxic Attraction on SmackDown and Bailey's group on Raw, which I don't know if I forgot to mention this earlier on. Supposedly their name might have been revealed because WWE fell a trademark for damage control, but control felt like control key on a keyboard. All right. Like styles with a Z because it's cool. Yeah. So, also, speaking of damage control, they were also in the front row, smadding right behind Michael Cole, heckling them during the during the Lions, during the Natalia Sonia versus Toxic Attraction match. Yeah, the two, uh, Bailey torment Michael Cole is something. That I just, I don't think ever gets old, does it? Yeah, we got, we had an interview back, he's like, well, I had to come back, this is my house, my belt, and I had to just see you guys to that idiot Michael Cole. <laughs> Poor Michael. Um, moving on to Impact Wrestling and Bound for Glory, uh, their WrestleMania-style show, their biggest show of the year, or second biggest, depending on who you ask. Slammiversary sometimes takes that title, but Bound for Glory. The main event has been set. It's Josh Alexander. He's coming up for nearly nearly seven months with the title. No, six months. Six months with the title after winning it back in Rebellion back in April. And he's going to take on the leader of Honour No More, Eddie Edwards. Uh, Scott, we've been waiting for this for a while, ever since Eddie Edwards was revealed as the leader of Honour No More. And it looks like he's finally getting his title shot. 
Yeah, I was uh, I was intrigued when I saw the, the lineup for the six way match that they added one to to get this title shot. He's had quite a few former champions in there, but I think his makes the most sense. So, <laughs> quite a few long tailed differences. He's a little jelly, so he was a lot jelly than it was about him. So I think he's needed a proper story to go along with the great matches that he's been having, like a story that kind of is on a similar level to the story, the great story that they told with him and Moose at him winning the title. And I think I think I think something along the lines of him trying to find impact from the the guy who defected away and turned his back on impact in Eddie Edwards. Uh, be a great story and uh, saying, oh, I'm the face of Impact, I, I represent Impact Wrestling and he's going up against a guy who used to represent Impact Wrestling and now turned his back on them I think they could tell a really strong story with that and you know, I'm interested to see how they play in a victory road I was thinking the other day that maybe they could do something with Honor No More versus like Josh and a couple of partners and like the winner like Besides, like the stipulation for the main event at Bound for Glory. Well, we've seen that uh, obviously due to their win over the Bullet Club at Emergence, uh, on and on more now have a tag title shot against the Good Brothers. I think you'll probably see the Good Brothers defending, uh, defending Josh Alexander uh, at Victory Road because that is two weeks before Bound for Glory. But yeah, I, I like the story Eddie Edwards told. You know, or the story that Eddie Edwards has leading into this, you know, he was, you know, Impact sort of became popular again in, uh, in the summer of 2020 when a lot of WWE superstars were released, a lot of WWE superstars were teased uh, to be returning. We saw the likes of Heath, uh, the Good Brothers, EC3, Eric Young, all either debut or return to Impact Wrestling. From there on, impacts went from strength to strength. And that night, Eddie Edwards won the world title. He then lost the title to Eric Young, who lost to Rich Swan. Then we had Kenny Omega with his, you know, 10 belts of terror <laughs> sort of reign. And the likes of Moose, Sammy Callahan, they were all picked to go try get that title back, try go bring that title back to impact. And Eddie Edwards says, he felt betrayed that he gave, he's basically given his life to Impact. He's a two-time Impact champion. He could have went elsewhere. He chose to remain loyal. And yet, when they needed someone to step up and he wanted to step up, they wouldn't let him. They chose other people. And those other people failed. And then he basically said, "I he has no loyalty anymore to Impact. I love the story of refusing to represent Impact at the Multiversal Matches. He chose to represent Pro Wrestling Noah instead. And yeah, it's just, this is like his boss battle. This is his Thanos moment. When can he get the Thanos snap here and take the title from the people who wouldn't let him go get the title back in the first place? He wanted to take it for them. Now he's going to take it from them. And I love that story. Yeah, I mentioned I don't think I thought about like on and Omar versus Josh and Hillbank. Originally, I thought maybe the Good Brothers, but I'm wondering if it'll maybe be like the people who challenge Orin and Morgan. I do think Orin and Morgan take David and Ben are going to take the tag titles from the Good Brothers because they're coming two nights of Davids in, in uh, Texas on the 26th and 27th of August. The Good Brothers, we met David and Ben, it was booked for the first night, but 
Curiously, on the second night, Good Brothers booked for a non-title match against the Machine Guns, and it said that Good Brothers might be appeared more in Japan in the later part of this year because Carl Anderson has been booked at the end of September for a, a defense of his Never Open weight belt against Tanahashi. Also, New Japan had their annual World Tag League tournament that runs from November to December, which I imagine they'll want the Good Brothers involved in because also they were a major used to be a major part of New Japan's tag division. So. Like the idea, like they drop it down or no more, like we feed them to do some new Japan stuff, which and they can always come back to Impact Wrestling because the locals had a strong presence and an impact for a good year or so. And then you maybe put the machine guns back together properly in the tag division and then go after or no more at the at the pay per view. Well, I want to see if they actually give Edwards the belt. I mean, imagine if he did win it, he'd only hold it for a lot while and lose it back to Alexander. But it would be cool to feel like him the world belt on it. Uh, Taven and Ben with his tag belts. He even sent Kenny King after Mike Bailey in the X Division belt. Why not? Why not indeed? Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I I always think with these um, with these sort of specials that Impact do on Impact Plus, you, you never really expect the world title to change hands. You don't think the world title's in jeopardy, but I think his title's in jeopardy here. You know, he's going in outnumbered, he's going up against Eddie Edwards with a point to prove I think Eddie Edwards is walking out bound for glory with the world title and who knows, if he holds it the next big pay-per-view you know, Impact does four pay-per-views a year Hard to Kill in January Rebellion in April uh, Slammiversary in July and Bound for Glory in October the rest are sort of monthly specials where some things happen, but not a lot in the terms of world title pictures. It's sort of just a, a showcase match for the world champion. I don't see I don't see Eddie Edwards losing the title on any of these specials either. I think he's holding it to at least rebellion if he wins the title. Hmm. I would imagine who if I, I was talking with my friend Paul the other day, he's a big impact fan as well. And we were talking about it and he said like if it's not Alexander wins it but we think it'd be cool to see him go into something with Sammy Callahan because they had such a long multi-year feud, but it was always Eddie the good guy, Sammy is the bad guy. But now the roles would be reversed with Sammy as the bad as the good guy and Eddie is the bad guy, and it'd be kind of cool to see how they kind of reverse you know, the situation. You have maybe have Sammy win the belt from win the belt from Eddie because Sammy is a former world champion, but. He was basically set up as a transitional champion to eventually drop it to, to Tessa Blanchard, and that worked out for the best, didn't it? I mean, it worked out for Eddie Edwards. He won the title a few months later, so, you know. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I'd, I'd like to see Ace Austin eventually win the title, but I hope it doesn't result in more Bullet Club versus Honor No More. But I think for now, they wrung that towel out dry. Like, I think we need to wait for a while. But I'd love to see Ace Austin, an impact guy, go and get it. Because, it was, you know, Moose was very much built up as an impact guy. He was a great world champion. Josh Alexander was an impact guy. And I'd love to see more homegrown talent. You know, it, impact is going back to that homegrown talent sort of thing. And I'd love to see Ace Austin with a world title eventually. But... Hey, we're getting far ahead of ourselves. We're booking the next champion after the next champion, if there even is a next champion. Josh Alexander could keep going. You know, he is the Iron Man after all. But we'll round it up there for this week's Central. Um, 
Scott, obviously, we talk about the Curse of Central, Raw tonight, Edge wrestling in Toronto, Trish is scheduled for the show, Beth Phoenix rumoured to be backstage, the build-up to Clash for Castle, the women's tag title tournament continues, we've got Kind Sky versus Asuka and Alexa. So much to happen and so much for you and someone else to talk about on Central next week while I'm sunning it up in Turkey. Yeah, I'm sure everything leading into the go-home like week uh, for Classic Castle and All Out and World's Colliding Ed. I'm sure those two shows will lead. We'll have a, a lot for us to talk about in the following week Central. So, yes, I'll, I'll take the reins here. You know, I'll handle the, these two loaded Centrals while you go sit in your arse, you know, burning away in the Turkish sun. Hi, I don't burn, I tan, thank you kindly. Yeah, sure, you tan like fucking Kramer in that one episode of Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, You you who talked about being consistent and, you know, be the only host of Central, but you've sure been picking a lot of holidays and being very inconsistent this past year, but, you know, it's nothing new. I'm here to pick up the slack. I mean, you have no plans, you may as well. Anyway, moving on. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this week's Central. If you want to listen to our past Centrals, our feature shows, our East Meets West, our Saturday Draft Lives, you can listen to them, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. They are available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And, of course, if you want to tell me how much better host I am than the jabronis that will be replacing me for the next few weeks, you can find us at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community is where you'll find us as well. You can uh, get involved in in-depth conversations and show research with our panellists. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in the show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.